Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Oz Movie Geek podcast season three in 2021. We made it through 2020 and now it's time for a new year of movies, a new year of entertainment and hopefully a new year of something better than what 2020 gave us. Um, And I'm not just talking about movies, I'm talking about everything. 2020 was a bit of a write-off year for many people. It's been such a a Herculean task to really just get through this or last year now. Um, it, it's just been one of those years. Uh, we, we had so much happen within a, the a period of 12 months that I don't think that any of us thought that would happen. Um, we start off the year with uh, catastrophic bushfires here in Australia. We finished the year with everyone pretty much in lockdown across uh, the world due to a deadly virus that has come into fruition. And it's just such a strange prospect to really wrap your head around so yeah 2020 is behind us i will do a recap uh podcast which i've been meaning to do for a bit now uh recapping the year um 2020 talking about i guess everything that i can um squeeze into one podcast of course talking about movies but also just some things that have happened um and and really just sort of getting to the crux of it all too it's been a strange year it's been a trialing year but I think hopefully um, we can move forward now in a, in a positive light. We have things to look forward to um, and a new slate of movies as well, which is pretty awesome. So I think let's put 2020 aside for the time being. I will come back to it eventually doing a recap of the year. I want to talk about film. I want to talk about my own personal life and things moving forward with the podcast as well. So look forward to that one and I'll hopefully have something recorded over the next couple of weeks. But Moving forward with the podcast, I want to try and do more content more regularly. I was trying to do a podcast a week last year, and I did it for the most part. Uh, I think I got into 46 episodes, so a bit shy there of that one podcast a week. But I guess things come up, certain releases were pushed back. I just wasn't able to commit to it as hard as what I would have wanted to. Um, And hopefully this year I can do that a little better. I have my goal of doing a podcast a week. I know we're a couple of weeks in, but I can play catch up. Um, and I'm hoping to, you know, clock in 52 episodes for this year. So let's hope that we can actually do that and achieve that goal. And thank you for your ongoing support. Uh, great support again then in 2020. I was very happy with the growth of my podcast. It's steady. It's still small, but something definitely that I'm trying to make, I, I, I guess, a bit more engaging I, I'm, I'm always looking at ways I can improve the podcast and I'm hoping that with your guys' support that uh, it will happen. And I'm a firm believer if you keep trying, things are going to work out. So fingers crossed I get the growth that I'm looking for personally um, in 2021 as well as just the growth of this podcast and hopefully branching out, trying new things. I'm hoping to have a few guests on the show this year, including a few other trial shows I want to run and see how they go with a few friends of mine who have shown interest. I've got a lot in my mind that I really want to just get out there and try. So fingers crossed that 2020 goes a bit better than 20, uh, 2021, sorry, goes a bit better than 2020. And let's hope that, yeah, this is a good year. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much a recap of where I'm at at the moment. I have some exciting podcasts in the works. I talked uh, in my last episode uh, talking about what's going on with Disney and everything. I did speak briefly about a podcast um, I've got in the works with my partner. Um, we're both going to watch the Lord of the Rings franchise and speak in depth as a preview. Um, my partner being someone who's never seen the films before, me seeing them many times when I was younger, but I have gone through a bit of a dry spell of actually watching them. 
Um, I recently got them on 4K, which is awesome. So I'm hoping to do a review of them. And then afterwards, doing the prequels as well with the Hobbit trilogy. So these will be the extended cuts of the films. We'll be talking about them from two different perspectives. There'll be a preview and a review of each episode, as well as a recap of the franchise at the end of the series. So this will be something that will be sent out sporadically during um, the year. It'll be something that will take a lot of work, and these episodes will be quite long, but... I'm looking forward to doing it. I love Lord of the Rings. I'm so excited to watch them on 4K. It's probably my most anticipated release I can think of. Uh, having these films on 4K is just awesome. It's such a, a great thing. And thank you to Sanity for actually allowing me to yeah, talk about these films, films that are very close to my heart. Uh, the Hobbit franchise is a bit iffy, but I do enjoy those films still too. So I'm looking forward to actually doing that as well. But yeah, that's pretty much a recap of where I'm at and what's going on and yeah, everything. So let's get stuck into my first review of the year, which is the adaptation of Jane Harper's novel, The Dry, and the film, of course, possessing the same name. But what a way to start the 2021 movie year. I haven't seen Wonder Woman yet, and I don't really plan to. Um, it, it wasn't on my radar. Maybe along the lines I will see it, but it just didn't look appealing to me. I only watched the first trailer. I actually didn't watch any other promotional material for that film. Um, but The Dry really caught my eye. Um I'm not a huge Eric Banner fan, if I'm being completely honest. I like him in a certain role. I think he's great in comedic roles. I loved him in Funny People, and I thought that that was actually going to spark a bit of a comedic renaissance for him as an actor, but we didn't really get anything further from him in that genre afterwards. And, of course, if you're an Australian listening to this podcast, you know exactly um, the film that really sparked that comedic genius in him, and that is The Castle, an Australian classic. But... Here he returns to his home roots of Australia and really getting down to the nitty-gritty of his acting, which is something I was looking forward to, and I think he was really good in this film. So without further ado, let's just get stuck into this one and talk about The Dry, because I have some thoughts, I have some, I guess, perspectives I want to discuss as well. So without further ado, let's just get stuck into it. Take it away, a trailer. When you've been lying about something for so long, it becomes second nature. Gretchen. It's all over town that you're reopening the investigation. Luke drove to his house at 4.30, killed his family, and headed here to kill himself. You're convinced he did it. What do you think? I'm an old mate of Luke's, actually. You lied back then, Aaron. Luke lied as well. The day that poor girl drowned. Emily? I've heard some stories about me. I've heard some. You got a personal history with the girl who died in a river 20 years ago. There's a connection between the deaths. It's pigs. This has got nothing to do with me. Grant. Don't say my name like your name. You don't know me. Jamie Sullivan. He's lying. He wasn't with his nan. You think you're going to get the truth in a town like this? When you've been lying about something for so long, it becomes second nature. Where were you that afternoon? Why would I lie? Because Luke asked you to. Sometimes when the space feels kind of empty. Did you have anything to do with that girl's death? Wish I knew where you were. 
The Dry was written for the screen and directed by Robert Connolly, based on the book by Jane Harper, as mentioned, starring Eric Benner, Genevieve O'Reilly, Bruce Spence, Kier O'Donnell and Matt Noble, and follows Aaron Fork as he returns to his drought-stricken hometown to attend a tragic funeral, but his return opens a decade-old wound, the unsold death of a teenage girl. So as I mentioned, this is a film that I was looking forward to based on that trailer. I absolutely adore the song um, Under the Milky Way by uh, The Church. It's one of my favourite songs of all time, and it's hard to pick a favourite song, but it was a song that sort of uh, I I was listening to it um, during the year, and and then I heard it in this trailer, and I was like, that's really haunting and eerie. Um, And that was actually what caught my interest. It wasn't even the film itself. It was hearing the song during watching the cricket during the summer. It just sort of kept playing and playing, and I was really intrigued by it, and I thought, I'm going to check this movie out. And I was in Sydney and I thought, what the hell, let's go and see it. So my partner and I went and saw this film and it was honestly one of the best Australian films I have seen in quite some time. I'm not going to go all the way and say of all time, but it's definitely one of the best films I have seen from Australian cinema in recent memory. It was fantastic. Um, Relic from last year, um, which I might put on my best of the year list, depending if that actually happens. Um, I, I found it to be really good too. But what Derek Connolly does here, he really captures the harsh nature of the Australian landscape and, and just the, how fierce and ferocious this drought actually is. It's a different form of natural disaster than what a lot of people are used to seeing on the big screen. We're used to seeing films represent the droughts, or not even the drought, just natural disasters in big fiery explosions, tsunamis, things like that. So to see the, uh, the drought really represented here on screen as this fierce and and ferocious form of a natural disaster is really interesting and visually it's striking. The barren nature of just the Australian landscape is really haunting and provides such a great backdrop to what this drama actually is. I think Eric Benner is fantastic in this film. His character is so haunted, but yet you still understand, I guess, his stance and what what he is trying to accomplish by doing this. Uh, Obviously, what has happened in his past, plays a big part of who he is today. He works for the Australian Federal Police in Melbourne and he is obviously, I guess, drawn to the case in his, in his hometown because his friend Luke has died and he he's you know completely out of the loop. He hasn't seen Luke in years. He doesn't really know what's going on, um, but it looks like it's a murder-suicide. Luke's taken out his wife and his son and now he's k- turned the gun on himself and killed himself, but he doesn't believe that it's happened. And we see just the cycle of events that's happened that has occurred to really get to the crux of this story. Now, I'm not going to go into spoilers because the twist actually, well, not even the twist, just the resolution to the story really got me. I wasn't expecting the film to end the way that it did. And I I think that's a credit to great writing as well as great direction. Um, The cast, like I mentioned, were all uh, phenomenal. I thought they were all fantastic. But Genevieve O'Reilly, I thought, was really, really good. Um, for those who don't know, she, of course, appeared recently in um, in Star Wars um, Rogue One. And I thought that she was really good in the film too. So she plays Gretchen, who is an old friend there of um, Aaron. And I thought that their relationship was really interesting as well. And I think the chemistry between Eric Banner and Genevieve O'Reilly was fantastic. I thought they were really good together. Um, and I really liked the way that that kept playing out during the film. We sort of have like a 
will they won't they relationship with them but because of their history and the pain that is uh, i guess uh, capturing this town at the moment with the drought and then the death of uh, you know people who were prominent in the local community it really has affected this town in a very absurd way and it's brought them all closer but also i guess torn them apart too in a very interesting way and the way that that's represented on screen is really interesting i love like i said the harsh landscape as well the drought itself doesn't play much into the story. It provides a bit of a red herring during the film uh, in the sense that you think that it might be motivated from something like that. You're not entirely sure. Um, and I think that the way that that plays into the story is really interesting because you read the title, The Dry, you look at the advertisement material and you think it might be based around the drought. But the drought's really the backdrop of uh, the film. And I guess it, it, it sort of puts into perspective what's going on in this town. Um, and really brings all of that drama to the surface. And I think that's really creative filmmaking, and it's also something different. And I think a lot of the props has to go to Jane Harper's novel, which I actually haven't read, and I'm looking forward to picking it up and giving it a go this year, um, as one of my resolutions was to read more. So I'm hoping to actually get a copy of that one and and really get into it. Um, But I, I thought that the way that all of that came together was really interesting as well. I also like the relationship between Eric Benner um, Eric Banner's Aaron um, and the rookie cop of the town, Kiara O'Donnell's character, Greg Rocco. Um, seeing Kiara O'Donnell in this film was really interesting. For those who don't know, he is Todd from Wedding Crashes, the creepy son that paints um, Vince Vaughn when he's sleeping. Um, but I really enjoyed their relationship too because you could see Eric Banner was looking out for, for this character, but he also, I guess, wanted to remain distant because he didn't want to get too close to the case, even though... It is his former best friend in a town that he grew up in. A lot of that is still going around. So a lot of the drama and a lot of the hurt and emotion really does come to the surface in these performances. And I really liked their relationship. I thought they were really good together. Um, and I thought that the film played out their characters really well. It felt very organic and natural, which I did appreciate. I also really liked the cinematography in the film. Now, When I was doing my review for this film, I was looking at what to include, as I always do. Um, But I really wanted to make a strong mention here for Stefan DeCio's cinematography. I thought it was a gorgeous-looking film in a very haunting way, like I mentioned. There are some interesting shots that that I didn't think were fantastic, but there's a lot here that I guess really does bring out the drama and I've said that many times now but it really does it's it's such a fascinating thing to see is all these this emotion and everything really brought out in the film um the sorry Stefan DeCio's cinematography as well was featured in The Invisible Man last year which is another film I complimented on the way that it looked because it was such a gorgeous looking film um and of course Upgrade um and I, I just sort of really did play well on screen. A lot of the movement was fluent, but a lot of the color palettes that are drawn out because it's so dry, a lot of these harsh colors such as um, fire and things like that, there's a really great shot where um, Genevieve O'Reilly, Gretchen, and um, Aaron Fork, Eric Benner, are sitting on, or they're not sitting, they're standing on the balcony of the pub that Eric Benner is staying at. They look over the hills and she says, oh, another fire in one of the towns. And I guess if you're Australian, you really do connect with that because during bushfire season, it's, you know, pretty brutal. Um, Lives lost, homes lost, industries lost. It's quite devastating. So to see it represented on screen like it was, especially after the year that we had in 2020, it is really interesting and visually striking. And I think that really does play into the overall 
I guess, narrative of the film too because we have this drama at the forefront of the story but we still have in the background there the drought and how that's affecting each of these characters. These characters are already on edge because of what they've already gone through. So to see this represented again on screen is really, really interesting and I love the visual representation of the drought. Like I said, it's quite haunting and it's beautiful in a very dour and depressing sense it's really hard to sort of lock down exactly how it makes you feel but it really does add you know a lot to the story there's a great shot um, in the film where we see them as kids playing in this river then we cut to a, a modern day shot there of Eric Benner walking down the empty riverbed and you just see that there's nothing there it's just all it's all dried up there's no water at all and it's just so it's so haunting but so beautiful as well and it really did strike me, and it's something I remember from watching the film. Um, and yeah, I just I, I thoroughly enjoyed that aspect of the film. I mentioned the song "Under the Milky Way" um, by the Church as well, and I just wanted to briefly touch on that um, aspect of the film. Like I said, it was the drawing factor for me, and it's such a minute part of the story. But it was just the way that the film did encapsulate that as well. Again. It, it sort of bookends the film um, without spoilers. It's the song that plays at the very end of the film and into the credits. And I thought that, again, was really haunting. Um, and it was probably the only part of the in the film where I actually felt upset whilst watching it. And it was the use of that music. Um, it's such a great song, but just the way that it's represented in the film as well, I found it to be quite special as a fan of the music. Um, and yeah, I really liked hearing that song on the big screen too. It was pretty unique for me. Um, and something that I definitely, um, took away from the film. It was something I remembered and I've been listening to this version of the song from the soundtrack for the last couple of days now, whilst it's a briefer version, I still do really enjoy it. And it doesn't have that musical sting, um, that the church's original version does, but it's still something I thoroughly enjoy and I'm always up for new music. So I really did enjoy that aspect too, and I think all props have to go to the film's composer um, for his work in the film because it was really, really unique and, yeah, really well done. And I'm going to look up the composer's name now. And that was uh, Peter uh, Rayburn. So well done, Peter Rayburn, because that was fantastic um, use of music there. Um, but, yeah, that really brings the dry to a close. I don't have really any negatives. There was some interesting shots during the film that I didn't really connect with. Uh, there's a shot uh, we see briefly in the trailer there with Eric Bennett tackling someone on fire. Um, that shot is played for dramatic purposes, obviously, but the way that it's used, I didn't think it really hit for me. I found it to be quite disjointed from the rest of the film and it sort of did take me out of the film a bit. Um, and that was really about it. I, I thought the cast were all fantastic. I've given them all a shout, I believe, um, except Matt Noble, which I didn't mention. Um, I thought he was fantastic. He plays Grant, um, who is the asshole character of the film, essentially. But I guess he was really good. I thought Matt Noble was actually fantastic, and he stole a lot, a lot of the scenes that he was actually in. So it was cool seeing him on the big screen, too. But yeah, it was a really, really good film, guys. I'd highly recommend going out and seeing The Dry. It crossed $6.8 million in the Australian box office, which during this time, with all the lockdowns that are going on and with it only being out for a week now, that's super impressive. So keep going out and supporting local um, film, and by local film I mean Australian cinema, because it's something that drives our industry here in Australia. And I guess the more people that go and see films like this, the more of them we're going to get. So definitely go out and support films like this because it's definitely worth your time. So my verdict, the dry was well-crafted, riveting, and packed full of suspense. 
Eric Banner hits a near-career high note here, delivering a powerful and haunting performance. I had a great time with the dry, and I'm giving it an 8.5 out of 10. I had a great time with this one, guys, and I would highly recommend it for anyone who's a fan of dramas, Australian cinema, murder mysteries, anything, really. It's honestly fantastic, and it sort of transcends each of those genres and definitely has something for everyone. So definitely check it out. Um, I would highly recommend it. Uh, That brings this episode to a close, guys. So thank you all for listening. Um, Like I said, I've got lots in the works and I'm looking forward to getting out back in the cinemas, seeing some new releases and even checking out some old ones too. I have plenty of films I want to talk about. So yeah, definitely look forward to more reviews coming at you very shortly. And until next time, guys, peace out.